Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Howdy, folks. Happy Tuesday. We have noise in the background from oh, bone chewing. From, was, is it Perla or is it uh, Kaya? Perla. It's Perla. Okay. Um, we have some signings to, to talk about. The RFA market is quickly dwindling. And uh, some observations from some, you know, some, there were some preseason games yesterday. You can't take anything that happens in those games seriously but it's it is hockey it's on the ice um but we'll start with some pre-show go ahead russ so i went and bought some seats yesterday to a concert and Ticketmaster has this thing now i want to let people know if they don't know you can't just simply sign on anymore and get tickets they send you to a waiting room first oh, and they ask you for a verification code first so, so I did. That. Is this a solution for the bots? Hold on. So I did that, and and so I was there about four minutes before the actual thing started. Mm -hmm. So I get there, and it basically says two hundred and forty people are ahead of me, and I'm like, but that's okay. I mean, it's forty thousand seats. I understand that you know there was a presale at ten. And then there's seats held for Amex and for a whole bunch of outlets. Like there's like three or four different codes that get held for a few days before they have a public public sale, which again, that's what we're in right now, right? Internet pre-sale, MasterCard pre-sale, American Express pre-sale, all this hoops and bullshit. Oops, sorry, sorry. Where back in the old days, you used to just get a wristband and wait online or you paid someone to get a wristband and wait online. Either yeah. way. So now... I get in there and, you know, it's saying 200 people, 180, gets down to like 11. I go in there and it goes sold out. And it was like seven minutes. But I was like, wait, this doesn't even make sense because this is a baseball stadium. There's no way they sold out in seven minutes. This is for like the Hello Mega Tour with Green Day and Weezer and Fall Out Boy. And I'm like, they're not that popular. So something's wrong, right? And even though my thing said all tickets, all tickets, but I noticed up top the slider and I'm like, all right, you know what? I'm going to use the slider, even though I had the thing checked for all tickets, the money, the money slider, the money slider. And so I put the money slider on like 80 bucks and then lo and behold, it found seats. And so I bought, you know, I had a choice of a couple areas and then I bought the seats, but I saw the bots swallow up all the cheap tickets. Yes. They were all gone within seven minutes. That is the key here because they were like $30 tickets. I wasn't buying them anyhow. Right. But I, it just happened to be what the slider defaults to, right? But again, don't put it on all tickets because it doesn't show you all tickets, even though it thinks you are, and you could be losing time. And then the other thing is those bot tickets, right, that were like $30 tickets now will sell for like 100 Yes. They can make a bigger profit because they they know that they're not nobody is going to buy a two hundred and fifty dollar dollar ticket on StubHub for four hundred bucks. They're going to they're going to just want to get in the building and they'll pay a hundred for a fifty five dollar ticket. Right. 
So that's the game now. So I wanted to let everybody know what the game is. And, you know, it's a little disgusting. But it, Here's an example of how old I am. 1983, I was 16 years old. Genesis was coming to Buffalo. Right. And the, the concert, I believe, was in March or April. So the tickets went on sale in January. Okay. Um, Central Ticket Office, downtown Buffalo, which was owned by a guy named Harvey Weinstein. Harvey, Harvey and Corky Productions. Right. They had, they had their big ticket office downtown, and it was like you go down there, you get a wristband, even though it's the dead of winter, and you have to check in every hour. And I think it was for forty-eight hours. Nobody. There were people like living in the backs of vans. Yeah. Pitching tents out in the, you know this kind of stuff. Me, like I went there like one o'clock in the morning for the tickets going on sale in in at nine o'clock the next morning and i'm 16 years and 16 years old and i almost died of exposure but i got i got tickets i mean that way of buying tickets nobody realizes that now that that's what you had to do because everybody is so accustomed to well i mean i i i, I had one i'll give you two quickie stories but the best one is and I actually won free tickets for the Jet game. If you ever see that picture of me online with like the cheerleaders and me on field, there was a tell your best Jet story and somebody's going to win tickets. And so my story was for the playoffs against Buffalo in what, 80, 82? 82. 82. Yeah. Um, I was studying for a final. My best friend and I are in the parking lot of Shea Stadium. We're in the car. There is no formal line. So I just kept running the car around the parking lot for heat. And he was. I was I was reading and I was studying for my book at about 4 a.m., maybe 5. We heard people leaving their cars and saying, all right, we're going to line up. And then we waited until about 7 or 8. The ticket window opened and we bought our tickets. So we were there, you know, from like 2 in the – no, midnight until 8 or 9 in the morning. Mm -hmm. That's how you did it. Now, I will tell you, I've gone the other route, and the first scalping experience I had was with Stu Finer. And people can find him on Facebook. I scalped a, uh, a yes ticket, second row on the floor at MSG. This was for the drama tour. And that's also about 82. I think that's about the right year. Yeah. Maybe, uh, yeah. And and I spent 50 bucks on that. Yeah. No, no, well, please. The, the, the only front row tickets I've ever gotten from a scalper it was because the kid's mom worked at Central Ticket Office. And it wasn't – it was just – I was taking a girl on a date. I wanted to impress her. So I got front row seats for Stevie Nicks and Joe Walsh, which was a great show. And believe me, it was Stevie Nicks in her prime wearing a white dress with backlighting. No need for any further explanation. Um, and I paid 60 bucks, And this is 60 bucks in 1984, 83 or 84 money. So that's probably a couple hundred bucks now. Yeah, that's good money. I mean, the only the only other thing I could tell you is when I was writing for a magazine, I did get a couple of times front row or second row or third row seats. The one time was Springsteen solo tour, which was awful. Yeah. Another time, though, was uh, Motley Crue, and I believe it was their last tour, their mm -hmm. final tour. And that worked out well. And it was funny. There was a moment there where Tommy Lee had just finished a bottle of Jaeger, like just about a quarter of it, and he gave it. And he gave it to the audience and you know, I'm in like the first and second row and they pass it to me. And I was just like, no, no, no. And I passed it on. I, I just did not want to drink anything. Tommy Lee had, had 
drank from. Yeah, here, have some liquid STDs. Uh, mm -hmm. Last last thing about this. Um, um, the one thing that smaller venues are starting to do to get around the whole bot situation, I went to a concert this summer, the Sarah, Sarah McLaughlin show in, uh, in, uh, at our park in uh, Lewiston, New York. It's a couple, three, 4,000 seat venue. You buy the tickets online and they don't give you a specific ticket you have it's right. basically you've bought a ticket in a on a particular row in a particular mm -hmm. section mm -hmm. they will then send you an email two or three weeks later you're going to get it at the will call and yep. they tell you what the seat is but you're never given a physical or or a computer ticket so yeah, they did that once yeah so they can't resell it no and that's great it's like but you know i mean yeah. if you know, you can resell it the day of by going to the ticket office and getting the ticket, and then okay. turn it on. But then it, it prevents you from putting it on StubHub or anything else. And I get the convenience of that, but the the whole thing, this whole thing about bots buying tickets and just cornering the market, it's sickening. I hate it. Right. And you know, it, it there are not many concerts I I want to go to, and that it basically makes a, the concert going experience miserable so yep. all right uh let's get started hello hockey world today is tuesday september 17 2019 i'm russ coming from sportsology and i'm michael agello and this is the hockey buzzcast here on hockeybuzz.com well we talked about the rfas yesterday we talked about connect uh, travis Konechny specifically and what was it a couple hours after yeah the show uh, the Flyers and Konechny came to an agreement, a six-year deal at $5.5 million. And, Ross, when I first saw that, I, th I, I sort of giggled because they went through all this, and in the end, they didn't get the bridge. They didn't get him at a, at a, a figure that I think is – I mean, I, I think he's a talented player. I like him. Mm -hmm. but I don't think he's a $5.5 million player. He's not a center. Um, no. He's a winger. And I think it's an overpayment. Yeah, I and I scoffed because online I saw the Bo Horvat connection. Like, yeah, they're related and they had the same contract, but one is a center that plays 20 minutes and has 54% face-off and has a 0.59 points per game in his career, and then Konechny's about 0.56 with, you know, doesn't take face-offs and plays about 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's a big difference between the two, even though the salaries are the same or similar. So – I look at it, and I and from what I found out, that Fletcher didn't want a bridge deal, and that's fine. So when you're buying UFA years, we've talked about it, yada, yada, you pay more. They've been paying more, the Flyers, on the last three or four players. So either this is going to work out spectacularly, having all these guys you know, locked up, or they're going to have a situation in a couple of years Mm -hmm. And look, there's three years left on Claude Giroux's deal. You don't have to look into the looking glass very long. Uh, if you can't trade Jake Voracek in a couple of years when you're going to have to pay Carter Hart, somebody's going to get dealt. Yeah, it, it, I, I'm looking at their, their structure right now. It's Giroux at 8.275 for two more years after this year. Right. Voracek is four more years after this year at 8.25. They just signed he Kevin Hayes for seven years, 7.1. Van Riemsdyk, three more years after this year at seven. So, yeah, and and, and then, of course, Konechny and Couturier, and then it drops off there. But you're talking six players making over $4.3 Arguably, your best one is the one making the least, which is Couturier. And, I mean, that's a lot. Of, that's – 
that's a lot of cap space for. But he, he's gonna. They won't trade Couturier. Obviously. No, no, no. I'm saying they're not saying that they should. I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm just saying it's ironic that probably, arguably, the best one of the six. Oh, the lowest salary. I got you. The lowest salary. Yeah, that's probably the best bargain in hockey right now. Possibly. Possibly, but the, the point is, is that I mean, the Flyers. You, you, people were saying, "Well, the Leafs are have locked themselves into into a situation with three ten plus million dollar players." Well, you've got four players making over seven million, and this is a non playoff team. At least it was last year. Yeah, it's a tough situation. They have about a two to three year window, depending on, like I said, what they have to pay Hart and when they, how long they can hold on to Giroux and or Voracek. So that's the window. I mean, that's what you're looking at. And then they'll have a little bit of a reset with these younger players because they're not all going to kick in right away. It's just not going to happen. You hope that it does, but it never does. And so we'll see how much better they are this year. I mean, that's a big thing. When you were talking about um, preseason, I was at the preseason game yesterday. And the biggest thing that I saw, and I wrote about it on Sportsology, is when you have players that are going up against the trot system, it is – culture shock mm-hmm. and they just smother life out of you and they played you know a couple of their regulars but not many but they all still follow the system they played Mayfield and Hickey even though Hickey's on the maybe not going to make the team kind of list now and I gotta tell you guys like Farabee had trouble Ratcliffe had trouble and you know Rat- Farabee was good enough to admit it after the game it's a tough thing, and that this is where you have to wonder at sometimes, is it worth pushing a guy to the NHL because you have a spot? Phil, for a second, that's, yeah. that's a thought, though. No, uh, I mean, I, I, I look at I look at the Flyers, and, I mean, you've got a bunch of young players right now, Farabee, Frost, um, you know, young, young defensemen, and – you know, you, there's a time frame here. I mean, with 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 Farabee and Frost, they're just entering the entry first year of their entry level contracts, so they can afford to put them down in the American Hockey League and allow them to to mature. But some of the defensemen, I mean, how many how many years does Philip Myers have before he's waiver not waiver exempt? I mean, that the clock is ticking on some of those players where they have to get them in the NHL or risk losing them on waivers, or they're in a situation where they're keeping them as seventh or eighth defenseman because they can't clear waivers, and then they don't give a well, that's, that's why they, they have Braun and Niskanen on short-term deals. But, again, both of them are getting paid a pretty dollar now. Right. I mean, you, you look you look at the Flyers right now and with their cap situation. I mean, now that they've got everybody signed, they've only got a million one in cap space. Right. That's not a lot of room. I mean, you can create cap space during the year. You can maybe even uh, do what other teams are probably going to do this year. I know Toronto is probably going to carry at most 21 and maybe even 20 and use the Marlies as a pipeline. You know, like basically yeah. we'll carry 20 players at home. If somebody gets injured, we call them up on emergency recall. When we're on the road, we'll carry 21 or 22 because somebody could get sick or somebody could get right. hurt. But other than other than that, you know, they're they're probably going to carry the minimum, and you save yourself a couple million dollars because you know three league minimum deals is 2.1 million. So, I mean, the Flyers might do that as well. Yeah, I mean, they might. They were doing that like at the beginning of the Hextall regime. And then they work their way out of it, and now they may be doing it again. So you have to look at what the long-term cost of that is, and we won't know until the season starts. Uh, 
I don't know. Like I said, I'm kind of mixed about it. I'm going to give it a chance because that's the way I am, and, and we'll see what happens. But I did want to mention some players. The Islanders, it's interesting because, you know, we always talk about who's going to possibly make it. And, again, Josh Hosang, one minute I'm writing, hey, he looks great on the ice. The next minute he has a hooking penalty. Like he just – if he doesn't have discipline playing in, in a trot system, they're going to trade him. Like they probably would even trade him early in this season if they see at the end of preseason that he's the same old Josh Hosang. So he's probably got to the end of preseason. He might not even have more than two or three games. I don't know if he has that long a leash to see what he can do. And so that's one guy where it's kind of interesting – but Grant Hutton is a guy who is a six foot three defenseman, played for Miami University, and he was surprisingly good on the power play. I had seen him in college. He had a little bit of offensive ability for sure. He was a captain on the team. Mm-hmm. This guy looked good. He had an assist in the game. This, that's the kind of players now, you know, you you to get those guys, if you could bring them into a system like Trotz has to offset some of the higher salary guys, you know, you, you're doing pretty good. And then a guy you're familiar with. Who I basically deem preseason, I think will make the team. Otto Koivula looks faster than he was, and he's already a six foot four guy who can bring the puck up the ice when he needs to. Like, you know, he's not that kind of forward that has to just be in front of the net. So I think they would be smart to start the season with him. And on the flyer side, go read the thing. But actually, one of their better players was Zamula, Igor Zamula, a defenseman. So, and that's I don't think he is close to being slated for the team. And that's why in first preseason game. All you say is, hey, he looked good, and you move on. I I would be genuinely shocked if Josh Hosang stays with the Islanders past this season, a past yeah. deadline this season, because it just doesn't seem that he's a fit. I mean, A, his, his, his personality and his joie de vivre, if you want to say, does not fit with the conf- – you know, does not conform with Lou Lamorello. And that's, that's, that's fire and gasoline. Yeah, but I think at this point he's playing for assets. Right. I agree with you that he's probably not in the plans, but I think teams need to see him to see what they if they want him. Right. I agree. Um, now, a couple other signings. Uh, Brock Besser accepts a three-year bridge deal with the Canucks at $5.875 million. Um, like most of the bridge deals that have been signed, the third year is $7.5 million. Um, so he, uh, wa- he he goes into arbitration after three years with the qualifying offer being over eight million, um, because the final year is seven five, so it would be um, eight point two five million qualifying offer. Um, now you look at the you look at the depth chart, you look at the uh, breakdown with the Canucks. The highest paid player on that team at forward now is not Brock Besser. It's not Bo Horvat. I know who it is. Freaking Louis Erickson. And if that's not a statement on, you know, I mean, I give Jim Benning a, to- a, a ton of credit for his eye for talent, for drafting Besser, for drafting Quinn Hughes, for drafting Elias Pettersson. But he has been an unmitigated disaster when it comes to free agent signings and guys like Louis Erickson and to a lesser extent, the um, Antoine Roussels and those, those types of mi- middle of the road players. He has struck out on almost every one of them. Here, here's the thing, though, and this is where I give him a little rope. We know how the Aquilinos are. They, you know, they get in the GM's ear in the offseason and they want certain things done. And GMs have to 
they're beholden to their ownership. So I think in those cases, he was doing what he felt would keep ownership happy. And then what he's doing with the drafting and everything else is keeping it all together and balancing it out. And it, again, it doesn't mean the next guy in there is going to be any more successful at doing this Yeah. because again, ownership wants them to be a team that isn't going to rebuild, but can be in playoff contention. And we've seen that's a very tricky thing to do and it's a slippery slope. So that's where you have to say, can't lay it all at Benning's feet because we know how ownership is there. And you have to agree. I mean, you know, you've heard about it. Yeah, but but okay, and just a just brief breakdown here. Erickson's at six million, two more years left. Besser just signed a three-year deal, a little under six. Horvat at five five for another three years. That's a good deal. He's a good player. He eats minutes. He's an effective well, Besser's a good deal too. Yeah, I, I I agree. JT Miller, who they get from Tampa, three more years after this year at five point two five. That's a little questionable. Yeah, but he didn't sign that deal, right? He, no, he didn't. Got- he he acquired that deal and he gave up a first round pick for that one. Uh, Brandon Sutter, who's been in, injured off and on the last couple years at 4.375. I will be, I will admit to this at the beginning, first year of that deal when he wasn't as injured, I thought it was a decent signing because it looked like there was upside there. So did I, when he played for Pittsburgh, I thought he was a, a like an up and coming guy and he, yeah. injuries have killed him. Tanner Pearson, who got traded twice last year, uh, from LA to Pittsburgh and then to Vancouver, he's making three seven five for this and next year. They add Furland, uh, three point five for for four years. Sven Barchi's making over three. He's making three point three. Beagle and Roussel making three. So they've got ten forwards making over three million. I don't know. That's just it's not- a little off, but it's not tremendously off. Yeah, it's 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 questionable, and then it, it's questionable. I think it's fair to question, no doubt. Again, in that market, they don't want to rebuild. Could you rebuild in that market and not lose fans? That's the big question. They did it in in Toronto. I don't know if they can do it in Vancouver, and that may be the answer to your question as to why they're doing it this way. Well, it depends on how long the rebuild takes. If it takes as long as it has done in Buffalo, then you're going to have an empty. Right. Uh, Ro- yeah, was it Rogers Arena, I believe? Yeah. It's so, one of like how many Rogers? Yeah, Arena? exactly. It's either Rogers or Bell or, uh, you know, Huawei or, you know, I'm sure, you know, like there's like five sponsors in Canada. That's why I like the new sponsor that's up for the um, Miami Heat. Go look for it online. I'm not going to say the name, but um, it's an interesting company that wants to sponsor it. Oh, come on. You got to give it to me now. I didn't see it. You didn't see it? I got to get the name of it. Hold yeah, on. Tell, tell me because. Nothing's 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 better than you know the first it was the jobbing.com arena. That's and I, true. What was what, what's the uh, the football stadium um in, in, in Arizona? It's uh it's one of the fake universities that doesn't even have a campus. Oh, that's right. University, uh, University of Phoenix. University of Phoenix Stadium, that's I think. Right. And they don't uh, even there isn't a University of Phoenix. For ten million dollars, it could be Bang Bros. I'm sorry, say that again. For $10 million, it could be Bang, B-A-N-G, Bros. Bang Brothers. Or, well, I mean, yeah, or Bang Brothers. Isn't that like a porn? Isn't it like a porn? Pornhub owns that. Oh, oh my God. I just guessed it. That sounds like a porn name. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, well, that would mix it up, Mike. Yeah. Um, and then needless to say that the spokesmodel will be Jenna Jameson. Um, okay, so uh, third contract 
and okay, here again is proof that the Boston Bruins are the devil. Uh, Brandon Carlo and Charlie McAvoy, both RFAs, they get McAvoy on a three-year bridge. Now, I know he didn't have a ton of leverage like other restricted free agents like Warinsky and Provorov did, but he still they get him for three years at $4.9 million, uh, which is under Warinsky, which is very reasonable for as good a player as McAvoy is. He's probably their number one defenseman right now. Um, you know, as Chara is, 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 is up there and he's slipping, uh, Brandon Carlo is not an offensive juggernaut. He's not going to score a ton of points, but he had a good year last year. He's on their second pairing. Other teams probably would have ended up paying in the three to 3.5 to $4 million range. The Bruins get him a 2.85 for two years. I mean, again, the Bruins are the devil. Well, they, I mean, the Bruins were just at the Stanley cup. So that's, and they had to wait to pay Carlo, which is what we thought would happen uh, after McAvoy. Look, McAvoy's dad's a plumber, right? So he gets all that work for free. So maybe that's why he took less on his contract because on his new house there, at least his plumbing is covered. I don't know. Maybe they got Brandon Carlo a walk-up real cheap. I don't know what they do, but they certainly know how to negotiate and get good deals. But but the McAvoy one we talked about, that was one where they played that to the letter of the CBA. Maybe Jeremy Jacobs has something to do with that because he had something to do with writing the CBA. Maybe this is a big reason why they have contracts under control. We could, you know, can you not draw that correlation? I could. Yeah. And and I, I'm going to write about it a little later this afternoon and just putting it in contrast between two teams in the same division, two teams that have faced each other in the last couple of years in the playoffs where you have the Leafs not getting any kind of hometown discount, but pay, you know, paying a player what they're worth or maybe even more than they're worth in Marner, Tavares, and Matthews, all over $10 million bucks. And then you well, look at the thing they paid more than he was worth, that's for sure. Right. Um, and, and then, and then <laughs> yeah, and then the Bruins getting Bergeron, Marchand, and Pasternak all under $7 million. Maybe they overpaid a little bit on Krejci, but – that that contract is a little. They overpaid a lot on Craig. Right. but at least okay, at least the last couple of years they got value on it. Ross, he he has played. Let's, let's also balance this out. They way overpaid on Backus. Like not every contract's a hit for them. Right. I mean, Backus was UFA in a bad UFA year. Well, but whatever. But they paid the price, right? They did, but. So um, now, okay, if you look at cap friendly today, there are eight restricted free agents, the big names, you know, there's Anthony D'Angelo, there's Honka, there's uh, Saku Menelainen from uh, uh, Carolina, but the big five are Rantanen, Point, Kachuk, Laine, and Connor. Um, There was a report today, Ak posted it on his blog, that Rantanen is joining Laine in Switzerland now I don't know if they're skate just skating with SC. Skating with them. That's all they're doing. Yeah, they're they're not signing contracts. I don't no, know. They're just with them. The club goes, hey, here's a jersey. Go out there, have fun. Yeah, I don't know. I see. I don't know how, what the big deal is. It's like if they're not in in camp, you actually probably want them going somewhere to skate. You would. You just don't want them to get injured. Right. And if they're practicing, the 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 likelihood of them well, getting injured. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. I was at practice the other day. And when they have drills and guys are shooting on the right and guys are lined up by the net on the lower left and they're blasting shots that are blasting off the back glass and everything, guys were ducking. You know, it's a miracle that guys don't come out hurt every practice. So never say never. Right. 
Um, just to touch on this, because uh, we talked about it yesterday, and I, I, I said this, and and it's it was confirmed to a point by that's gospel, right? Yeah, there you go. Uh, it was confirmed at, at, at in some way by uh, Mike Russo of the Athletic, because when the report came out yesterday about offer sheets to Mitch Marner, the name the Minnesota was one of the team, and X said, you know, no, they have been told that's not the case. It made no sense from from the point of view even of money because they didn't have enough money to make an, a palatable offer sheet, and Russo reports. Uh, it would have had to have been Fenton that did it, and I'm told by the highest of sources it's not it's not true. And just doing the math, I don't see how it could be true. They only had like four something, four point one or four. But he wasn't the only reporter that reported it. There were a couple, not reporters, but people after that mentioned it online too. So I guess it was just the hot rumor out there. Right now, Columbus, Elliot Friedman reported that in July. And it made all the sense in the world, but see, it's again, it's like it's the, it's the wording. It's did they present an offer sheet or just draw it up? Right now, Columbus, Aaron Portsline, and Elliot Friedman reported that Columbus wanted to offer an offer sheet to Marner. They wanted to offer him seven years. Marner's camp had no interest in a seven-year deal. What they were looking for, and I, I you know, I, I have no inside info on this. I, I'm just basing this on everything that was reported from other people. Marner never wanted to leave Toronto. That's true. But he wanted to, he wanted to get the best possible deal that he could for the shortest possible term. And if he could have suckered in somebody to sign him to a five-year offer sheet that the Leafs would have matched – that would have been the perfect scenario for him. So all this stuff about he wanted to be a Leaf, yeah, in part that's true, but he also wanted a deal better than six years. So yeah. he wanted his cake and he wanted to eat it too. Yeah. And in the end, he didn't get that because he, he gave up an extra year, six years, and he and the and the Leafs didn't pay him the eleven million they offered to him on a seven or eight year deal. It was a compromise. Poor but guy. Yeah. Know. Right. But this, 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 him being magnanimous and saying, "Oh, I wanted to be a leaf." No, you wanted to get, you wanted to be a leaf, but you wanted to make the most money at being. The struggle is real. Right. There's not. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But don't, after the fact, say, "Oh, you know, I, I never, I never I intended to leave Toronto." Baloney. If you would have left Toronto, if somebody had offered you like Connor McDavid money. I'm yeah, sure. that's true. Yeah. So well, that's always the truth of any player. Right. Exactly. Okay, um, we'll touch on a couple teams in our team previews today. Start with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Now, we know Columbus got in on the final weekend of the season. Um, they, you know, and I and I was, I, I think I can be critical in uh, in hindsight because I was critical at the time. I thought uh, what Yarmo Kekalainen did was insane at the deadline last year, keeping Panarin, keeping Bobrovsky, adding Matt Duchesne, adding Ryan Dezingle, trading most of their draft picks, um, you know, for what I considered a futile run because I didn't think they were a good enough team to win the Stanley Cup, so why would you do it? Right. They, they did beat Tampa. That was a miracle. Uh, and then lost to Boston in the second round. You know, they had, a good, they had a good team. They didn't have a great team. Now, Duchesne's gone, Dezingle's gone, Bobrovsky and Panera are gone. And what you have left – and I, you know, I feel for John Tortorella because John Tortorella, if they if they fall behind badly, might be end up being the scapegoat. 
They do have some talent. We know, and I'll, I'll leave that did up. Did you say you feel bad for John Tortorella? Did you actually say that out loud? Yes, I did. I did. Because I find him entertaining, and I like you know keep him on keep him on the, uh, the you know keep him in the lexicon of the NHL, and you know I, I enjoy his. Bring him for your amusement. You don't want him there for any other reason. This isn't a magnanimous thing on your part. This is for selfish Mike. Sure, of course. I'm a selfish bastard. What can I say? Okay. No, but I'm I, I'm just saying that you know he is going to be the one that that takes the brunt of this because I don't think they're going to be as good. I don't think they're going to be a playoff team. Um, you know, now you have you know a questionable tandem of Corpusalo and Elvis. Um, you know, your defense is was untouched, so you, you're bringing back Savard. And um, and Seth Jones and a newly re-signed Warinsky. up front. They have some young guys, and I'll let you talk about them. But now, all of a sudden, you know your number one is Pierre Luc Dubois, and it, things drop off without Panarin, without Duchesne, without Dzingel. It's going to be a struggle for this team, Russ. Yeah, I guess Wemberg goes back to being a center, right? And he had a he had a horrible year last year. But you know, maybe he'll pick it back up this year. I mean, he has some ability. I felt like. He was rushed a little bit, and I think now you, you saw that, that that was probably the case. So I think that'll come back. Uh, Emil Benstrom, I really do think, is going to score 20 goals. Matter of fact, poor guy's only got 749 followers because I was just looking for news on him, and I noticed that people got to follow him. He, he might have a couple goals out of the gate, and then you watch his numbers. He'll eventually pass me in followers. But anyhow, it doesn't <laughs> take much. But and, that, and that's basically a shot at everybody on the show. Everybody on the show should be following me. If you're not, I'm not doing the show anymore. Okay, anyhow. Um, <laughs> but Elvis is a pretty good goalie, Mike. I've seen him. Yeah. I don't, and I think as a backup, just simply as a backup, it, that part will work out. It, all of this season is really on Corpusello because he's the only guy that can make a tremendous difference here. They do have a good blue line though, still. Yes. The blue Murray. line is unaffected. Savard, Savard Murray, Jones, Wierenski is a very good top four. Yeah. And so that's something Torts can work with. Dubois can definitely up his point total, but he's not a superstar. He'll never be a superstar. Right. But but he can be a very physical, good player. And I think Torts will get a lot out of him this year. And I think he's ready for that next jump. They're not a playoff team. But I don't know if the reset's going to take that long because they do have other guys. I don't know what they're going to do with Sonny Milano. I would hope he can make the team. I haven't heard boo about him. Have you? No, nothing. And and the, the guy has offensive ability. But, again, with Torch, you got to play that 200-foot game. Maybe he'll finally at least get a start at the season and, and get the score again because, you know, there was, what, the one year he had 13, 14 goals. What I do find interesting is – even though we're not talking about this team, in Sens camp, they're raving about Anthony Duclair. Mm. And, you know, this team had him, right? And gave him up. And gave him up. So maybe they'd like to have him back. Well, I mean, there's no room for error with the with the Jackets this year. Like, meaning Cam Atkinson's got to keep up his offensive totals. They probably need, you know, more of production out of Nick Foligno, who's been consistent. They signed good players. He's a good player, solid player. I have no problems with him. You know, good, good second line right winger. If he mm -hmm. scores 20 to 25 goals, that's all you can really ask for. Uh, they re they signed uh, Gustav Nyquist, who had a who was really good for San Jose uh, after they acquired him for Detroit, and pretty good in the playoffs. I know I had him in a fantasy league. Yeah. Um, Wenberg has got to bounce back. Boone Jenner was sort of up and down last year. They're going to need be better. 
Yeah, they're going to need Bjorkstrand, Josh Anderson to really step up. It's it's a lot. Like these guys that we're all talking about, if they all score 20, they might be able to get by. What's the odds they're all going to do that, though? That's right. what you have to look at. And and the one now the one benefit that they do have is because of everybody left, they have tons of cap space. They have over ten million dollars in cap space. So if they can stick in the race, they you know they're going to be one of these teams that could take on rentals. That's true. That's but, true, and that may work to their benefit. So that's if you're them, that's actually the game plan probably. Right, but you know you don't have a ton of draft picks to trade for those rentals. No. And you know, prospects, they still have prospects, right? Now, Colorado, I mean, this is one of the more talented teams in the league. Um, now we know that Ranton is, is what, what was it like in Colorado two years ago when everybody was pitchforking and, and looking for Joe Sackick, knocking on the door, looking for Joe Sackick? Joe Sackick turned around his reputation with one trade with the Duchesne deal. He, yeah. turned, he he waited and waited and waited and got the best possible deal and it turned the that turned that team around. Now you know Rantanen is holding out, or excuse me, it's a contract impasse. So it's no, not, it's a holdout, right? But you know this is a team that uh, with not a great amount of forward depth uh, got to the second round of the playoffs. You know, won in the first round, played San Jose in the second round. Um, you know. I think what they, they had to consider last year a very successful year. They've got one of the best young forwards in, in hockey in McKinnon. Landis Gog is a, is a good player. They they uh, signed Donskoy, uh, got Burakovsky in a trade from uh, Washington, uh, added uh, Belmar and acquired Kadri in the deal for, for Tyson Berry and Kerfoot. Defensively – Well, let's talk about that for a minute because while getting Kadri is massive for him, Kerfoot was a real good player for them. Yes. And he did a lot of different things. So you got a real good player. You gave up one. Kadri's certainly better. But that's, you know, they gave up some things there. They gave right. up some ability there. It, it's, it's funny because you, you look at that deal, and everybody's assuming right now that Barry is basically a one-year rental. Right. So it, it essentially the deal is Kadri for Kerfoot after, mm -hmm. after this year. Right. That's not a bad deal for Toronto, even after no. that, because Kerfoot is a good young forward. He's fast. He's smart. He's going to fit in perfectly as a third line center. To plays some, on the power play, plays on a penalty kill if you want him to. Yeah. I mean, it, and, and they got him signed for four years at under $4 million. So, you know, after paying Tavares and Matthews, you don't need a $4.5 million third line center. Well, you got to remember with all the ability and toughness that Kadri brings and cheap shotness. Yes. Uh, his next one will probably get him like a 20 game suspension. Right. Especially if he does it to somebody like McDavid, which, you know, everybody thought, Oh my God, Colorado matching up against Edmonton and, you know, they're in the same division, but if there's a play, well, Kadri will get underneath uh, McDavid's skin. I'm like, yeah. Kadri, all right. Let's, let's talk about that for a minute. Certainly Kadri can match up against McDavid. Is that really the worry though? Like, I mean, McDavid's going to get his points anyhow. When you're playing Edmonton, they've got to do a lot more to worry a team like Colorado these days because they have to worry about matching up against McKinnon. I mean, right? Well, I think the I think the biggest problem for the for the Avalanche last year was the fact that they had that one line and nothing else. That and the goaltending, the goaltending, because Varlamov was great for a long period, 
and then all of a sudden he wasn't, and then he went to Grubauer, right? So, right, and now and that uncertainty I think hurt him too a little. And now, now it's all on Grubauer. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, right now in terms of their depth chart, their 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 number two goalie is Pavel Francuz, who I don't even know anything about. I don't know anything about him. Yeah, I mean, they they have other goaltenders in the system, and maybe they're going to be one of these teams that goes out. Maybe you know, maybe Louis Domingue is going to end up with with Colorado because he's like a third or Michael Neuver. Or, or, or Michael Neuver. But, but I think Sackick went, you know, went pretty far in terms of, you know, uh, increasing the depth of, the, of the, that team at forward. They add Donskoy, they add Burkowski, Belmar. They, they took a flyer on Valerie Nikushkin, which might not turn out to be anything. But, no, but the Burkowski is going to turn out. Yeah, that's a good one. So, it, it, you know, ideally what they what they could do is maybe split up that big line and put Ranton and Orlando Skog on the second line with Kadri uh, and, and diversify your offense a little bit. And then you have guys like Comfer and, uh, and Calvert who I think are good depth forwards, third or fourth line. I mean, if you look at this team, the fact that they have Kadri and Comfer, those are two really good centers that not only can score, mm-hmm. but can also shut down guys and win faceoffs. But I think the greatest improvement here is their blue line. Yeah. Because, you know, now you have they they extended Sam Gerard on seven on, for seven years. They they Kale McCarr comes in at the end of the year and plays well very well in the playoffs. Now they traded Barry, but they have Johnson, they have Ian Cole, they uh you know, Zadorov, I think is a you know, he's not he's not a he'll never be an offensive defenseman, but he's big and tough and mean. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they have, uh, and they have Byram who they, they drafted, who probably won't make the team, but he's probably a year away. I mean, this is a team I can see in that central division. I can see them making the playoffs as a wild card or being in the top three, but they're going to be scary. As soon as they get Ranton and signed, they're going to be scary for years. Oh no, they're, this team is building, man. And we didn't even talk about, uh, you mentioned Byram and they're pushing to have him make the team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, which I mean, it, it, okay, and that's I mean that would, I mean that would be very interesting if they have him and Makar. Now Makar's only got two years left. He burned the first year of his ELC, so they would turn they would turn RFA in different years. And you know the the concern about Sackett, one of the things he wants to hold the line on with Rantanen is to basically maintain the salary structure with Colorado because you're going to have McKinnon, you're going to have mm-hmm. Byram, you're going to have Makar. They're all going to come up for new contracts within three three or four years. And if you pay Rantanen ten million bucks, then you're going to have to pay these other guys ten million bucks, and that's yeah. going to be tough. So Makar is going to be you know one of the Calder favorites but also could just be one of the best defensemen in the league offensively this year. So this this team this team could go to the Western Conference Finals. I wouldn't even blink an eye. Definitely could. Are they ready for that? I don't know, but it'll depend on Grubauer. If Grubauer has a really good year, they can. If he struggles a little, that's the only thing that could curtail him. Yeah, according to some of the questions or some of the comments in the chat, uh, Frank Kuz was great in the AHL last year, 49 games. Okay. Uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not just like, I don't know a lot about him. And well, that's a guy that's eluded me. So, right. So, I mean, if, if he's a K now, what I would say is I would think that you're probably going to end up paying group or playing group hour, probably 55 to 60 games. 
He's never played that much. Yeah. I've never heard of Sid Finch when he signed with the Mets. It happens. Yeah. Okay. George Plumpton. Um, okay. Let's see here. Uh, questions in the chat. Um, you know, give us a couple here. Um, just look here. Answer all the questions, Mike. Don't start doing the ones that you want. I'm looking for any questions. Oh, well, if they're not producing, just hang up the show. <laughs> just dump them. Just dump them. Uh, here. Yeah. Uh, yes, we know Kerfoot was a center at Harvard. Um, yeah, I covered him for four years. He was there for four years. Yeah. Uh, Svechnikov. Getting, now, this is Svechnikov for Detroit. Oh, wait, you don't even put the question up anymore? No, no, no. I'm, I haven't seen a question. These are just oh, okay. comments. I'm just filling here, Russ. Uh, Thomas Boyle said he had news to report, and he says Svechnikov. He always says that. Yeah, to play his first game since last year's preseason, young forward coming off ACL surgery. I'm, let me just ask you because I mean he is the brother of Andre Svechnikov, and Svechnikov, and that the younger one is very impressive. Is has the time passed for Evgeny Svechnikov in terms of being a prospect? Yeah, he could just be a mucker in the league. That's it. Okay, uh, Steve Steve James says, Mike, looking forward to seeing San, Sandine and Lidgren uh, do in the preseason. Do you think if they play well, the Leafs could use them as their third pairing with a veteran as the seventh to put in an off nights? Um, okay, first Sandin, no. Um, I think unless he stands on his head and he's clearly the best defenseman, uh, in preseason, he's starting the year with the Marlies. I think the the main factor there is, unless you know, maybe maybe they call him up in in, in January after the forty game mark has passed because less than forty games, he right. you know, it, it, they don't burn a year of uh, of of uh, UFA toward UFA. But I think that they really, unless he's just leaps and bounds above everybody else. They don't want to burn his first year of entry level. Fair. You know, next year he'll be ready. He had a great forty some odd games with the Marlies last year. He played really well in the playoffs. He maybe he's not strong enough yet. He's got the hockey sense. He's got the skill. They're very high in him, but he's young enough to play for Sweden in the World Juniors again. So are they going to rush him? No. Liljegren, I think, has a good chance because he's a righty. He's twenty years old. He played against. Tougher competition in the AHL. What's that? He's physically developed. Yeah, he's, strong. he's, str he's stronger. But I, you know, the thing is, this is this is the, the thing you have to consider when it comes to the Leafs. They're going to play Barry, CC, Muzzin, Riley, probably all over twenty minutes a night. So you're talking about your thir your third pairing playing about 12, 14 minutes a night. At Who's that third pairing, Mike? Who's going to be on that third pairing? Right now, well, then this is the, and the, again you you fall back to the comfort zone of Mike Babcock. Mm -hmm. So get make sure you stock up on your Pepto Bismol, your Imodium, and everything that you get for a for a sour stomach. Because I think the bottom pairing is going to be Martin Marinson on the left side, and probably somebody like Jordan Schmaltz on the right. Yeah, Marinson's um, a mainstay for the blue and white. Well, I think Marinson's Babcock's there. Marinson will be on the blue line early on because he can kill penalties, but he can't do anything else. He's hideous. And I don't care what the analytics people say. They're wrong. He sucks. But if he can kill penalties, 
that's going to be the consideration um, that they, he can do that. Never play the Marinson drinking game on Twitter with Mike because uh, you will tweet about him. Yeah, I, yeah, no, I will. I will be drinking every time I see Martin Marinson on the ice, unless I'm in the press. But, but you know what? The interesting thing in hockey is everybody picks on their third pair. Most teams, most fans, end up picking on the third pair because you know that's why they're on the third pair because they're the one most susceptible to, to giving up points and goals. And no matter how good a team you are, your third pair is, you know, going to do that from time to time. So Marinson, yeah, I, I get it. He's not great. Uh, jerk ball to love the name. Russ will Kerfoot be an above average third line center for the Leafs? Yeah, I think so. I think he he's already on that path, and I think with Babcock coaching him, can't hurt him. I think he's going to be, I would say, between fifteen and twenty goals. 40 points. Yeah. You know, and that's, you know, if you get that out of your third line. A good, tough brand, annoying hockey. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was taught by Ted Donato. You know, he's, he's had good coaching all along. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, Daniel Myers, who will the Flyers' top six defensemen be? Well, you, you have Niskanen, Provorov, Gostaspier. Gostaspier is going to be there, folks. I know you all traded him. But he's going to be there. Braun and Sanheim. Who's the number Braun six? And Sanheim. And then um, Hog. I mean, Hog right now seems to be the odd man out from the fans' perspective. But I, Philippe Myers did not look great yesterday. So he needs to actually earn his spot before they just give it to him, even though everybody is assuming. So right now, we'll. So. How many do we name? Do we name? That's, that's six. If Hoggins is six. six. So, and then most likely you'll have Meyer. So maybe Myers and, and Hogg are going to be rotating in and out. Because it doesn't look like the Flyers are making a deal anytime soon. Mm-hmm. It looked earlier like maybe they were going to do something with Gosta Spear. But now I think AV likes him and wants to use him first before he trades him. And I don't blame him one bit because if Gosta Spear shows what he was two years ago, then you wouldn't trade them. So right now, I think that's what you're looking at. Sam Moran's not going to even be up with the club. Mm. Um, Bardicus one. And asks, I don't mean all year. I just mean to start. Right. Uh, Bardicus one asks: Is Kyle Connor close to signing as act like X suggests? Well, I mean, based on the the way the number of RFAs have been dropping like flies, I would say. I think they're all close. Yeah. I think the one. I think the one that is the least close right now based on the last public announcement of an offer is Braden Point, which is strange because Braden Point. We all have that pegged as an early one too. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, and maybe they did this in a, in a way on purpose, but the Lightning occupied enough of their cap so they really have no opening to give him a long-term deal. You know, and I'm saying they, they, they yeah. right now, right now their cap space. I'm just look, looking it up on on Cap Central. Um, they have they have 8.4 million in cap space. That that would be probably uh, um, good enough to sign him to a four or five year deal. But you know, but um, he probably wants a shorter deal. But he probably wants more than. 5.7, which was the last reported off. You know what the interesting thing is? They're the one team that, if they don't start the season with them, doesn't kill them. Right. They right. have so much depth, and that's why they have the leverage, whereas Calgary, 
They have very little leverage with Kachuk. They need him in the worst way. Yeah, they're and, not loaded. I mean, it's it's not going to kill them to move Tyler Johnson up to number two, which he is no. played off and on, and then maybe Sorelli is the third line guy. Yeah. You know, to send a message that yeah, we like we like you, we we think you're great, but we don't need you to win. Which is the same message that the Leafs sent to Neilander last year until they signed him, and. You know, in the end, they didn't get much of a discount. Uh, Ken Smith asks, will German Rupstoff have a chance to make the Flyers opening roster? I, I do think he'll have a chance. Uh, I think if you go to sportsology.com, you could read what I wrote about German Rupstoff yesterday, but I do think he has a chance. He, uh, he showed well. He's playing again tonight. So if he stays healthy, right now he looks pretty good, man. Um, Funky asks, Wings playing nine preseason games, too many. I think eight's too many, and that's what the Leafs have played the last five, six years. I think it should be like something like five or six, but this is money-making for these teams. I mean, um, Buffalo and Pittsburgh played at Penn State uh, yesterday. The Leafs are playing at Mile One Arena in uh, St. John's. Most of the early preseason games are split-squad games in third uh, third venues. You know, not home, not away, because they, they know that the fan bases won't pay for, you know, half of yeah. the Rochester Amherst and half of the Sabres or half of the Marlies and Leafs. Um, later on in the preseason, then you're going to get closer to a full roster. I just think eight's too many, but I'm – It's a lot. It's a lot. But <laughs> we're also seeing how players not playing in, like, the NFL preseason and they don't have rules to who you right. can play and who you can't play, where it has hurt some players – at the start of the season that has hurt their product, at least the NHL is upfront about it and says, hey, you only have to play eight guys, but as you see, you could whittle it down to like five if the other team's in compliance with you. But still, that's better than the NFL because those guys won't play at all. And right. so at least players are playing in the preseason, and even a guy like Justin Braun yesterday said it is important for them to shake off the rust and stuff. So yeah. you know what? You're, you're never going to win that argument. I mean, I'm jonesing for hockey right now for to see. You know, I went to a, I went to the Sabers, Devils, Bruins, and Penguins rookie scrimmage last week. It's like, I mean, preseason games right now. Since I haven't seen live hockey since uh, May, I am, uh, you know, I, I'm looking forward to it. At the yeah, end, I hung in there. I hung in there last night for a couple periods. Saw the biggest scoreboard in North America and was happy to see hockey back. Personally, yeah. at the end of the preseason, after games seven and eight. I'm ready to move on. That's why I think six would probably be the best uh, balance. Uh, Drop the elbow. Ask is Spezza the new Hainsey, a veteran who will get too much ice time from Babcock? Uh, I don't think he'll get too much because again, if you have an injury, Spezza's not a bad guy to throw on the power play. He could play on power play one. He could play on power play two. He's still a good skater, and he wants to do. I'll tell you the difference. When Eric Lindros became a Leaf. He always wanted to be a Leaf, but his his he was diminished so far that he was really just a shell of himself. Spencer can still play a bit. We well, don't want to discount. He may he may be lower in point total, but the skill level is really high still. Well, Babcock was funny yesterday because he made some comment about you know like um, essentially, well we got to see what Spencer is bringing to the table. I mean, b- baloney. He's your fourth line center. If he's not your fourth line center, you're delusional because right. it, it, like you cannot play 
Freddie Gauthier as your fourth line center when you have Spezza. You don't move Spezza to the wing. He's one of the best face-off guys in the NHL. Uh, uh, Freddie Gauthier is a liability out there because he's so slow. Although I thought I thought I saw a tweet yesterday. Bruins fans complaining about Parl Lindholm because he lost the face-off, like the first face-off of the season or something. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Well. You know he'll win. He'll win more than his share face off. He lost it against Jack Hughes. Did they play New Jersey yesterday? I'm not sure. I think they did. Yeah. Um, um. Okay. Let's see. Uh, let's see here. What's this question? Barticus, in your opinion, what's the most likely to drag? Uh, who's the most likely? Okay, we said point. I said point. Yeah, point seems like the guy now that'll that'll drag. Uh, Black Bruins against him. So he lost to Jack Hughes, and everybody was like, oh. Blackhawks six eighteen ninety five probably your birthday, but I'm if not sorry. Uh, will and should Adam Boquist play a full season with the Hawks? I did just write about the Boquist brothers on epringside.com. You can check that out with a free trial. But what I'll tell you is, I think he's really close. I think if they want to do it, they can because they have veterans there and they could shield them a little bit. I think if they do that, he's massively offensively talented and. Really a great skater, and he is good at puck retrieval. So I think I think there's a really good chance that he is going to start with them. But again, the Blackhawks are going to wait out the, the decision. I'm sure they'll probably play him for the eight nine games and then decide. Remember though, you know they've got the two vet veterans, Seabrook and Keith. They right. added Mata. They added um, um, uh, Calvin DeHaan from Carolina. And I had He's injured already. He's injured. But it's it's not supposed to be a long term injury. Uh, Gustafson scored sixty points for them last year, so I'm not sure how much they're going to need an offensive minded young guy like Boquist. Um, second if, power play, second power play. I mean, but although you probably you know Gustafson's probably going to be the number one power play, and Keith will probably be on the number two. No, actually, didn't they? They used them both on the top one last. Oh, they, year. Okay, so they were going three two instead of four one. At least I saw some games like that. Okay. So I think. Um, you get Boquist on the second power play, even if you're putting him third pairing, it's fine. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's see. One more, one or two more quick questions here. Um, Julian Fillion, Marchment question mark, Brocco question mark. Those two are tired to be in the AHL, I bet. Um, well, they may be tired, but they may end up there again this year. Now, I'll tell you what takes the sting out. It okay. does take the sting out playing for a team like the Marlies because you're still in a metropolitan city, you still get treated great. You can walk over to the Leafs game if you're not playing and, and hang out and watch the game. It's not a bad existence. No, no. And believe me, uh, they're treated – the Marley players are treated pretty well by that organization. They, you know, they, I know you've complained about the media meals, but otherwise, you know, it's great. <laughs> no, no, I have not complained at all. Um, now, just, just just to tell you, uh, somebody was saying, I didn't realize that Sandin could play in the World Junior this year. He, his his birthday was is March seventh, two thousand. So he's he doesn't turn twenty until next March. Right. So he is eligible. Now I don't know whether I want him to play. Trust me. Right. I mean, I'm sure he, you know, he was the number two defenseman for Sweden last year in Vancouver behind Brandstrom. He right. would easily be their number one. Yeah. Um, but just to, just to touch on, uh, I think Marchman's got a decent chance of playing for the Leafs at some point this year. They have a lot of guys on one-way contracts. 
like the Nick Shores and the Kenny Agostinos and the, they brought yeah, in. Like, you no, know, when he's on my fantasy team, I hope he does get called up. Yeah, they brought on brought in a lot of a lot of guys on one way deals that they may give a look to, um, and then potentially they could wave them down if somebody else is playing better for the for the Marlies. Brian Agostino is he really has good speed. He does. And he got a fair amount of points with the Canadians last year. I want to say around 25 or so. Yeah, and you could you could have a fourth line of Trevor Moore, Spezza, and Augustino that might be a pretty good for, pretty good workman like yeah. fourth line. Uh Brocco, this is the thing. Brocco has to be in the top nine. He's not a fourth line guy. So now they've moved Kapanen over to the left side while Hyman is out, and that creates an opening. And if Brocco has a really good camp, then they, he might earn a chance. But Babcock has, again, been, well, you know, he's got to be better in his own zone. And, I mean, I believe that he's a plus passer. He's a great playmaker. I don't think he'll score more than, say, 20 to 25 goals in the NHL, but he's got a good shot. No knee-on-knee -knee action with him, huh? <laughs> no, no. Uh, but you know, I, I I just think I just think that Brocco eventually will be on the Leafs, but it may not be this year because they still have options with him, and uh, you know he, he's waiver exempt, so he could be a guy who comes up and comes down. Um, but guys like Nick Batan, mm -hmm. Nick Batan, see Nick Batan could be sent down to the Marlies because they signed him to a two-year deal one way, and teams might not be willing to claim that on waivers because somebody might though because he still can play center. And if they had a shortage at center, he could go. Right. All right. Uh, good. Some good questions there. We'll be back tomorrow uh, with another edition of the Hockey Buzzcast uh, for Russ Cohen. I'm Michael Agello. Thank you for watching. And remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.